The following podcast is rated M.A.E. for Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering. Friends, lend me your engineers. Welcome back to another episode of Lend Me Your Engineers. My name is Paul. I'm here with Cameron. Hi, Paul. We're we're here for our largest show to date. That's right. Uh, at least in terms of the number of guests, we have uh, four guests on the show today. Dr. Ragavan. Dr. Ragavan. Estefania. Mm-hmm. Lynn. Yep. And Owen. And Owen. And what's what's special about this group? Um, they actually all just got back from Germany as part of the IRIS program. That's right. And they're going to talk about their travels. And they're also going to let you know how you too can travel to Germany if you are interested in that. Hi, my name is Owen Pryor. I'm a PhD student at the Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering Department uh, studying combustion. My name is Lynn Rossman. Um, I got my mechanical engineering bachelor's here, and I'm now doing my uh, master's in materials science and engineering. Hi, my name is Stefania Borges. I am about to graduate with my civil engineering degree bachelor's, and I was studying high temp of thermal barrier coatings over Germany. Hi, my name is Sita Raghavan. I'm an associate professor here at uh, the Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering Department and the director of the aerospace program. And I do research here uh, at UCF. So, oh, and Cameron, do you want to introduce preparing? (laughs) No, it's okay. Okay. I'm Cameron. I think we know who you are. (laughs) So we're here today to talk about your travels over to Germany through the the IRIS program, the International Research Experience for Students. Dr. Raghavan, you have uh, another one of these coming up and the deadline is approaching. Tell us a little bit about what this program is and um, the sort of person that would want to apply to, to join this program. So the um, U.S.-Germany collaboration for materials in extreme uh, environments is about um, a group of researchers who want to kind of solve the difficult problems that extreme environments pose to materials and structures, things like rockets um, and engines. Um, All of these uh, applications have really uh, demanding, challenging environments and materials and structures have to be able to uh, sustain their performance under these these environments. And the better they can sustain their performance, the the more we can, you know, subject them to even more extreme environments. And that would just mean pushing the envelope with regards to uh, space research or to, uh, you know, engine research going faster, hypersonics and all of that. Um, thermal and mechanical loads are a big part of it. And we have a group of researchers both here at in the U.S. and UCF and in Germany who are working collectively and collaboratively to solve these problems very innovatively together, doing a lot of experiments and um, analysis to find some solutions to difficult challenges that um, a lot of researchers face. Uh, and this group of us... Um, we want to work together. So we work together in the U.S. and in Germany and through this program, the IRIS program. And this involves sending students from UCF out to uh, uh, the DLR, which is the German Aerospace Center. Uh, and they are out in Germany in Cologne. It's a pretty nice place to be. And it's a nice place to focus and do a lot of interesting research uh, experiments and 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 discuss research. So the students go out uh, in summer, but they take a semester to prepare for it. The students who want to be 
in such an environment would be students who are really interested in research, who want to be able to uh, take their research to a higher level. And we're talking about graduate and undergraduate students who would apply to this to make a difference, um, take uh, research and make it a big part of their education here at MAE and UCF. Okay, and the deadline to apply is Halloween, October 31st. You can go to aerostructures.cecs.ucf.edu slash iris, I-R-E-S, slash apply if you are interested in learning more. So why Germany? Why is this collaboration with Germany? What is special about Germany? Well, first of all, I think international uh, research is a very unique thing, and it's a it's a very uh, important way of building up your uh, capability uh, as a person and as a researcher. I myself um, studied in three different continents, so I spent time doing um, my studies and my research in um, in Europe, in, in the U.S., and in Asia, and. Um, Every place that I've been kind of builds me up or grow, uh, helps me grow in a very different way. And I think this kind of experience is something you should inject into your educational uh, path just to make yourself uh, really stand out and give yourself some skills that you wouldn't find elsewhere. Um, that is being able to deal with very difficult situations where things that maybe somewhat are simple just because of a language or a communication style, maybe something very different where you are. But you learn to adapt very quickly, and that capability to adapt is something that you can only gain when you get out and um, challenge yourself in a situation like this. So personally, I am very excited to get students out there to learn how it is like to adapt to different environments. And I think that brings to them a skill that uh, cannot be found elsewhere. And employers know this as well. Um, on the on the front of why Germany? Well, we've got uh, some really great scientists out in Germany that we managed to um, make a connection with. And they were interested in doing um, experiments in extreme environments, which is something not many people want to take on just because it's really difficult to create those environments and then take measurements at high temperatures, at uh, high loads, all at the same time, and then be able to make sense of those measurements to tell us exactly what's going on in materials. And um, they were just as game as we are. They bring to the table a very keen sense of focus and um, uh, high quality. And we learn from them as well as they learn from our, you know, um, uh, courage to do some really difficult experiments. Uh, and um, we we gain from each other in that way. And I think that that's what makes this collaboration very successful. It's a question to everybody. When you started in engineering, did you realize there, w there would be travel involved? Did you realize that you'd be world travelers in this field? Uh, when I first started my career as uh, an undergraduate engineering student. No, I did not. I thought that um, uh, studying or doing research abroad was something you did in the humanities and not in the hard sciences. Um, but actually, when I joined Dr. Raghavan's research group as an undergrad volunteer research assistant, uh, I learned about our existing relationship with the German Aerospace Center. And um, uh, there have been several occasions where they have sent their scientists to meet up with members of our group to work together uh, and conduct experiments at Argonne National Lab, which is really cool. And uh, I got to go on one of those trips um, last November. 
just shy of a year ago and met uh, Dr. Barsh, who ended up being my supervisor last summer. And um, they were wonderful. And I then I learned about the IRIS program, of course, because Dr. Raghavan was my supervisor and also you know, she made the program. So then I realized, yes, this is a really awesome opportunity. And I was really excited to apply and very excited to go. I was born in Colombia. Uh-huh. And I guess being born in a different country than the United States, you always have, the United States always gives that perception that this is where the biggest research happens. And that's that's true. So when I started my career here, I thought, well, I'm already in the place where things happen. So mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe in, in the area of research, especially in engineering, I'm I don't see much trouble outside of the United States. However, when I started, again, I'm like civil engineering, Mm -hmm. I wanted to pursue structural health monitoring for the preservation of historic structures. So it's, in in a sense, yes, it's the non-destructive technique of of analyzing the structure, see see where it is, kind of like the doctor of, of the structure. And... Then when I got involved in it, I, I realized that it is a collaboration. It is a like a global effort to preserve these structures. And I realized that a lot of it is outside of the United States. And mm-hmm. it it is a, a field in, in engineering, actually, that you need each other in different countries, different, different perspectives of how to do research. So I reached out to Dr. Raghavan, and I, I came with this idea that I... I'm aware of of the possibilities of of doing research abroad, so I was very interested in the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also didn't, you know, I didn't even think about you know international travel when I started, you know, in engineering as an undergrad. I just thought that eventually, you know, maybe I'd get a job somewhere and move there, but it would be in the U.S. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about travel for you know research or travel for conferences. But yeah, my brother was just talking to me about it. He's like, "Yeah, you've been traveling a lot," you know. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I didn't realize that this was part of, you know, being an engineer or doing research was, you know, all the travel to present your work and then just do the research as well. So you just got back. Everyone just got back from Germany. Tell me about that culture shock. What's how is Germany different from from the good old United States? I would say um, the my only complaints would be everything smells of cigarettes. Okay, And um there's no free water, but other than There's that, no free water. They don't uh, have the bubblers or the the fountains. No, no. Um, really. In my entire summer, I saw two water fountains, and both were in a Paris airport. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So there, it's very unusual to drink tap water. They drink sparkling water, but oh. um, that's pretty much my only complaint. Everything else about Germany is very wonderful. I actually had more of a difficulty adjusting when I got back to the United States. Hmm. Um. I find uh, Cologne to be an absolutely beautiful city. Uh, the buildings just look so much older. You have cobbled streets. Cologne has parks everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a region called the Green Belt that's a circle in the city of just parks. And you can go to this wonderful park and it seems like you're out in the countryside and you're not, you're in a big city. And um, lots of amazing stuff to do. I mean, they have... We went on a hike in the countryside, and we got to find and touch and walk through the ruins of a cloister built in the 1100s. I mean, can you do that in the United States? No, you cannot. <laughs> and uh, also, everyone is so friendly there. 
I don't know if it's something they do everywhere in Germany or just in Cologne, but when people get off the elevator, they say goodbye, which in German is tschüss, or really? also ciao. And uh, so the person getting off will say tschüss, and everyone else in the elevator will say ciao, tschüss, even if they're strangers. And I think that's really great. And uh -huh. I still have the urge to say tschüss when I get off the elevator here, and I have to stop myself because no one will know what I'm saying. Yeah, they're not going to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> Is the ele elevator ride still awkward, though? Do you still not know where to look when you're in the elevator? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> I don't think you can ever escape that. Right, that part's the same. Okay. But yeah, so I was actually in uh, Stuttgart, which is, mm -hmm. you know, southern Germany, uh, southwest Germany to be exact. And yeah, for the one thing, everybody was like, oh, just, you know, nobody speaks English, right? And I was like, no, they they all speak at least some English. Hmm. So there was very few times that I had an issue like communicating. Mm -hmm. But there were a couple of times where people either just didn't want to speak the little English they knew or. But no, everybody was very friendly. I didn't ride too many elevators, so I didn't notice. <laughs> My apartment was on the eighth floor. So. Yeah. Uh, yes. But yeah. Uh, no, I did. I did notice though that everybody, you know, very polite in terms of like they'd always say, you know, "Danke," which is "thank you" uh -huh. or, or "thanks." They'd always say that. They'd always say goodbye. So I've noticed myself also just saying it when I'm, you know, it rubs uh, off. You become more polite when you leave. I'd like to interject. Like, I met plenty of Germans who didn't speak English yeah. or could only. Um, they would speak to me in German. I would say, Sprechen Sie English, which means, mm -hmm. do you speak English? And they would go, no, no. nein. Uh, but a fair number of people would say, oh, a little bit, and then speak perfect English. <laughs> and it's like, y your definition of a little bit and mine are very different. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, can you talk a little bit about the the actual research, the actual work that you did on the internship? Or is it is it considered an internship or what? I consider an internship. <laughs> it's not technically an not internship. Not technically, right. Um, so the IRES program is an NSF-funded program that is meant to encourage international um, research in STEM. But the U.S.-Germany collaboration is um, more specific. To, look, Dr. Raghavan designed the program. Uh, so, But we're still not interns. Like, we're being funded by NSF, mm -hmm. and we were not employees of DLR. We're more like collaborators with them. So I would consider it a, I guess, more of a research exchange program. Okay. But that can be tricky because you are expected to be there mm -hmm. like a normal employee, I guess, nine to five, nine to six. Like we treated it like like a real job. Yeah, mm -hmm. you definitely do want to have that impression because where you are, people are there in a normal work like working hours right yeah so it would look odd if you're not there working like they are i mean mm -hmm. you're you're there to work with them right yeah um and to tie with that uh you you mentioned something about the i guess the culture shock and mm -hmm. if you want to talk about the the side of working in germany like how their company like their work culture is i i mean i really liked it because it it's not just work they really do value the the group communication or the group events uh for example they to them having like that that cup of coffee at like 10 or 2 it's it's almost as big of a deal of a meeting like a like a uh -huh. of, so um i i really like that and also we we did have the chance of participating in a couple barbecues or cookouts mm -hmm. <laughs> At DLR, which I, I thought that was very interesting, but also 
it does help to to make those connections with with the people that you're working on and i feel that allows them to maybe yes you work you work hard but you do have that balance of your personal life so it's, it's good Deborah Liz and I are both working on a related project. You've heard of 3D printing. Yes. Uh, did you know you can 3D print metal? So uh -oh. the particular metals that we're working with are both nickel-based super alloys, and super alloys means metal alloys that are meant to withstand extreme environments. Uh, the one Deborah Liz is studying is called CMSX4, and mine is called Inconel 718. Um, but basically, they're metals for high temperature. And um, so... 3D printing, which we call additive manufacturing, is a really promising area for industry to develop because you can produce very complex parts without having a lot of welds and joins and fasteners. You have reduced labor hours. Um, you don't have wasted material. But the process can, will, well, it, the process affects the material. Um, so mine, uh, my material in Canal 718, we are studying um, It is produced by a process called selective laser melting. So in selective laser melting, there's a layer of metallic powder that gets melted in a selective pattern by a laser, and then another layer of powder is deposited and melted, etc., until the form is built up. So this laser is, of course, hot. It's melting. The metal, this produces uh, strong thermal gradients that will impart stresses into the material, and that affects the material properties. So before we can start just using SLM Inconel instead of uh, conventionally manufactured Inconel, we need to know about its structures and properties. So that's what I'm studying. And is that, can you apply what you learn there to your research here? Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm continuing my research and our collaboration. So actually right now I'm working on getting a paper submitted for publication on something else. But as soon as I get that in, I'll be continuing uh, to analyze the data that I was working on over there, which was data that we also gathered together at Argonne National Labs. Um, also, while I was there, I got to learn sample preparation, and I got to prepare samples for scanning electron microscopy, which was very cool. Uh, and yes, the work that I did there will be relevant to my thesis work here. So uh, who, who would want to apply to to go on this trip? What what sort of person, What where in their career here at UCF would it make sense for them to apply to go? Um, I would say when, in terms of what year you are, doesn't matter. What matters is how much drive or initiative or interest you have. So if you, so a person who is already involved in research um, and wants to take it to the next level, make a lot of progress really quickly, maybe get a lot of work done on their thesis or dissertation. I know Owen did a lot of his dissertation work out mm -hmm. there. Then as long as your project is somehow related to materials for extreme environments, it's a really good way to get a lot of work done really quickly. On the other hand, if, you've, if you don't have a research project, we have plenty that you can uh, work on. And as it doesn't matter if you haven't done research before, for example, Deborah Liz had not done research before, and she did great. So as long as you have to take the initiative, mm -hmm. because no one there is going to baby you or hold your hand or say, this is the next step. Let me know when you finished it, and I'll tell you the next step. No, you have to think, what is my plan, and how am I going to accomplish that, and who do I need to talk to to find out what, I, what resources I have? Mm -hmm. I guess one important 
thing about that is that you have to think about what's going to happen before you leave. Mm -hmm. Your progress in the spring semester prior to your departure makes a big difference of you being there because you you do want to have something with you at the time that you're at at DLR. Mm -hmm. Uh, You... You want to have um, a goal while you're there, but you can't have that if you haven't worked enough before your departure. And another thing is, is like like Lynn said, just someone that wants to make their work. A, I mean, you can even get a thesis out of the work that you can get within a year. I mean, you're you're there nine to five for ten weeks, right? With with researchers that have done have been doing this for for years so the the amount of work that you can get out of it, it it's, it's a lot you can get a thesis papers conferences that you can go to afterwards but it definitely is about the work that you put in before you go right so it sounds like it's a lot of a lot of work but um did you have time to experience the the, the country the different culture um absolutely so uh actually Late May, early June is a pretty good time to go and work in uh, Germany. There's mm-hmm. a lot of holidays. Um, so like, and they take their holidays very seriously over there. Uh-huh. So like they do, they will not show up. So you're not allowed to come, you know, and work by yourself. So like, um, I know we all took a trip to Berlin together. Um, that was in part to see Siemens. That been said by Dr. Ragavan, but also then we stayed and actually saw Berlin itself. Um, I went to Munich, uh, one particularly long weekend. I went to Vienna and then, uh, Salzburg in Austria, which, you know, is pretty close to where I was. And I know they went on several <laughs> trips as well. So. Our, our motto was work hard, play hard. Mm-hmm. We went on a trip at least every other weekend, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes more, I think, um, Stephanie and I visited seven cities. Deborah Liz visited six. And we didn't miss any work. It is. It does take a toll on your sleep schedule. Mm. I my mantra was I can sleep when I get back to the U.S. Mm. So, um, but also I wanted to really make make the most of my time in in Europe mm-hmm. because I didn't know when I would next be able to come back because it's expensive sure. to fly over there. So, does the program cover all your expenses? Um, it covers. You get a stipend. It covers housing. It covers your airfare to Europe. Um. We can also, um, before we go, we sort of calculate what we think our living expenses would be. So, um, well, I don't know what laundry costs, what train passes are going to cost. Um, we, because our visit to Berlin was part of the program, it was an industry visit with Siemens. Um, we were also given extra money for our travel to Berlin. Um, but they're not going to pay for you to go fly all over Europe. That came out of our stipend slash spending money. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do cover, um, housing is included. Um, a generous stipend is included, uh, which you get 70% before you go, 30% when you complete the program. And if you want to spend not a lot of money on your groceries and spend mm-hmm. put that towards travel, that's what I did. What's that like? What's a German grocery store look like? Oh. Is there beer oh. like right away? Oh, it's, it's great. So they're buckled up because I have a lot of things I love about German grocery stores. Excellent. So firstly, everything that is refrigerated is in a case or behind a door. So they're not Hmm. pouring refrigeration into the air like we do in the U.S. Hmm. Um, Their cashiers get to sit down on stools, which is so they're not hurting their feet. 
Um, you either bring a reusable bag or you buy one. There are no disposable grocery bags there. And they have several sizes and kinds of nice reusable bags, insulated or not. Uh, and also, you bag your own stuff. So what what you do is you'll put your groceries on the conveyor belt, and they'll start scanning and pushing it off to the side uh, on the other end. And then you start bagging your own groceries, mm -hmm. and then you pay. And I, I have to say, I hate that. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't like the bagging your own yeah. groceries, but yeah. I like I like that um, you not, bring your own bags and I'm I'm paying I'm paying this store I'm not I'm not going to work I don't want to have to bag my own groceries <laughs> I did that enough when I was in high school I I will say I do I do not care for that but I understand I understand that. also um, Germans really love frozen pizza and ice cream mm -hmm. I think together? in the I think in the not together I hope <laughs> I don't think so in um, the grocery store that I always went to, I think half the freezer section was frozen pizza mm -hmm. and of the remaining half was ice cream and of the remaining actually, no, more like three quarters ice cream. The point is there's not a lot of uh, frozen prepackaged stuff. Uh -huh. So uh, so everything's fresh except the pizza? I mean, they do have some pre-frozen things, but yeah, if you're thinking about getting like a frozen microwave dinner yeah. I, I didn't see microwave dinners but you can get oh. frozen pizza <laughs> do they have uh like is, is fresh pizza a big thing there or everything yes. is frozen they they love uh so germans love uh dona which is turkish i guess euro meat when uh in with vegetables and pita that's that is the most common german street food i thought there mm -hmm. would be sausage carts everywhere yeah. no yeah. no there's Epcot. a dona shop uh, epcot lied to us <laughs> accurate portrayal <laughs> and um Germans love ice cream and uh -huh. they love Italian places. Oh. So but, uh, there's a lot of that. All right. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Of, but it's not, they actually will tell you it's not American style, you know, thick yeah. crust pizza. It's much more of the Italian style. Like you can find both, mm -hmm. but the ones that they seem to prefer are much the, more the thin crust, you know, more the traditional pizza. Um, also with the bagging. I would say it's not too bad, except for sometimes they expect you to basically have it done by the time, you know, if you have a lot of groceries that I, uh, I got a couple of looks sometimes when I was still bagging and there's, and I wasn't the only one I saw it with, you know, people in front of me, like they were like, oh no, 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 you've paid, you're, you're, you're should be gone by now. Uh, you know? That's where the politeness ends. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just because there's a, usually there's a pretty big line. Um, yeah. Also, a lot of times like uh, you didn't buy your bread or something like that at the grocery store or a lot of times you wouldn't buy meat. I typically did just because I didn't have a butcher near me, but mm -hmm. there were bakeries everywhere. There were butchers in a lot of places. So do they have they a lot still... of chains like McDonald's or those? <laughs> we saw McDonald's everywhere. Oh, really? Also KFC. <laughs> okay. Also Subway, but everywhere. most, but mostly everywhere. McDonald's. Oh, and of course Starbucks. Um, Is the food similar? Do they have different items? We made it a point to never eat at an American chain in Europe. Okay. Uh, one time it was really late in the train station because our train got delayed and I was really close to getting McDonald's, but there was a place where I could get a pretzel instead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, Lynn, stay strong. Yeah. Stay strong. <laughs> um, I did get, I think, McDonald's one time when I was, uh -huh. you know, taking a train or something, but, uh, and it does have slightly different ones. Uh, I know uh, Pulp Fiction, I think, says the Royale with cheese. Yeah, because they don't, they and use that's a different actually, system. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that's actually what they have. They yeah. they have those. Or I think it might be, yeah, they have those sort of things. Like you know, you'll see in movies sometimes. But yeah, a lot of times the train stations, 
they'll have the they'll have like a couple fast food places and maybe like a chain bakery, which you'll see, you know, everywhere as well. I think it was like Yorma was the common one. Or? Yeah, Yorma. Oh, Cologne Central Station is like a shopping destination. <laughs> I mean, it's a big train station, so there's uh, lots, lots of food choices and shops. I got a really cute robe at a shop there. Does everybody travel by train? There are not as many cars. It is very common to travel by train. Um, a lot of people still have cars, but they might not necessarily commute with their car. Mm. Like I know one of the PhD students there owns a car, but takes his uh, the bike on public transit to work. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the trains like? Is it like Harry Potter or is it more like the, the Sunrail? No, they're fast. <laughs> but is it fancy inside? Depends. Uh, so there are local trains, uh, regional trains, and the ICE trains, which are the Intercity Express. The ICEs are very nice, mm-hmm. and you actually get a, a ticket for a certain train. So if you miss your train, you would have to pay a lot to upgrade it. Mm-hmm. The regionals are nice also, and the locals are actually also nice. So I guess, yeah, that the trains nice. are pretty nice. The yeah. trams are less nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my favorite thing about public transportation in Germany is that dogs are allowed. Oh. Um, on leash, although some people don't do that, but um, dogs tend to be very well behaved in Germany, and I'm a huge dog person. I'm a big dog person too, but I'm, I'm a big, small dog person. I have a little shih tzu at home. Little. Well, I want to thank uh, the entire group for joining us today. We're actually going to hear more from them next week because we had so much to talk about. We had to split this into two parts. I want to thank everyone for listening today and remember there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day and tomorrow is just a dream away <laughs>